Thank you for listening to audio from First Baptist Church of Flora. If you would like more information about our church, please visit www.fbcflora.org. There's a Greek word I want to teach you right now, and it's this Greek word. Wow, man, alive. Goodness gracious. Thank you, Lord. Well, wasn't that good, y'all? Just man, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let me give y'all a heads up real quick. I'm going to preach quick today. Matt, where'd Matt go? Where'd, where'd, he went back there. Okay, all right. Uh, well, I'll just give y'all a heads up. I'm going to preach quick because I want them to come back and lead us at the end uh, with some more uh, worship at the end. So let's jump into the sermon today. Anybody uh, ever heard of somebody having a life, a life verse? A life verse. Um, I asked, uh, it's kind of one of those verses that just um, at some point, it can be your favorite verse. Not, maybe there's not a difference between a life verse and a favorite verse. Uh, you know, it, um, but to me, a life verse is kind of one of those verses that just sort of speaks to your total life and kind of uh, uh, talks maybe maybe found it in a time of need, a time when you needed some clarity, some direction, some focus in your life, or a time where you need some comfort. And boy, the Lord just landed on you with a uh, a real specific verse that really spoke to your heart and life, and that kind of became your life verse. I texted a bunch of pastor friends of mine, minister friends of mine, and asked them if they had life verses, and I uh, got several responses back. Really cool things. Scott Carter over at Florida Methodist Church, his his life verse is uh, 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, that says, How great the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. Uh, Chip Stevens, who's the pastor down at First Baptist Jackson, a friend of mine, said his life verse is 2 Chronicles 16, 9, that says, The eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the whole earth that He may strongly support those whose hearts are completely His. Uh, Josh Brady over at Broadmoor Baptist, his life verse is John 10, 10, where Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. And a good friend of mine, Becky Brown, who's the staff evangelist down at First Baptist of Richland, her life verse is, is Luke 12, 48, where Jesus said, to whom much is given, much is required. Uh, our own Ron Mumbauer, uh, who uh, many of y'all have met, Ron and Kathy, members of our church now, he was on staff at First Baptist Jackson for about 35 years as their counseling pastor down there. And Ron's uh, life verse is Isaiah 57, 14. This is build up, build up, prepare the road, remove the obstacles from out of the way of my people. Uh, Mark Sandifer's life verse is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Uh, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Uh, Cindy's, Cindy Sansing's life verse is found in Habakkuk. Chapter 2, verses 2 and 3, and these verses say, Then the Lord replied, Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. I asked Cindy about that verse, and she said that God has always been faithful to her. If she would wait on Him, He would tell her what to do. That's a pretty cool life verse right there. Michael Nanny's life verse is Luke 10, 19, says, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all power, all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. 
Matt's, uh, Matt Hines' life verse is James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you encounter trials of various kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith will produce endurance and perseverance. And so today we're on John 3, 30, which is my life verse. I think I told you that last week. That's our memory verse. And we're memorizing that verse. It's an easy verse to memorize. John 3, 30, if you want to open your Bibles to it, if you want to. And if you're not, I mean, we've, we've memorized it. We've said it. But I do want us to stand and let's just read it or say it together one more time. Can we pop it back up on the screen again? John 3, 30, that light. So y'all stand up, please. And let's just, uh, let's, uh, can, we, can we get back to that slide? There we go. I, I kind of threw y'all for a loop there. Uh, let's just say this one together. Let's say it together again right now. Say it with me right now. He must increase, but I must decrease. John 3, 30. May God bless the the proclamation of this verse this morning as we uh, study it. Let's pray together. So help us now, Lord, by the power of your spirit to hear from you today as you teach us and help us. We need you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much. You may be seated. So it is my life verse. John 3.30 is my life verse. I don't remember when it became my life verse. Uh, I do remember that I heard a pastor preach on or teach on having a life verse, and it kind of stuck with me. I thought, well, that'd be kind of cool. Uh, to have a life verse. And so I started kind of looking for one. And I came upon uh, John 3.30. He must increase, but I must decrease. I've kind of been a fan of John the Baptist for a long time. Uh, when I was a kid, I think the reason I was a fan of John the Baptist for such a long time is because I just thought it was cool that we Baptists had somebody in the Bible. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it ain't John the Methodist. It ain't John the uh, Presbyterian, it ain't John the Episcopalian, it is John the Baptist. I was like, man, we, we, and then I, I mean, then I didn't, and then I found out he wasn't talking about John being a Southern Baptist or John being whatever kind of Baptist, any kind of denomination. It's John the Baptizer. He's the one who did the baptizing. I still thought it was cool that we Baptists were in the Bible, and so that John the Baptist became my CB handle back in the day. Some of y'all remember when we used to talk on CBs all the time, so that was, I was John the Baptist, breaker one nine, but anyway, uh, so, uh, so, so, you know, we talk a lot about making much of Jesus. And if you're a guest here this morning, welcome. We're so glad that you're here. Thrilled that you came to be a part of this worship service today. Uh, and so if you want, maybe you're here today and you're checking us out, you know, kind of find out, you know, what's going on at First Baptist floor. Let me go see if I want to kind of be a part of that church. Well, I can sum up. We can sum up what we, if you want to know about us, we are all about making much of Jesus. Amen, church? That's who we are. That's what we do. Making much of Jesus. That's our, that's our statement. That's our slogan. That's our purpose statement, our mission statement. Whatever you want to say, that is who we are. We're, we're all about making much of Jesus. And, or, and, and in order for us corporately as a body of believers to be about that, then I've got to be about it and you've got to be about it in our personal lives, making much of Jesus. And I'll just tell you, man, we've... We, we're serious about it, and I believe God has honored that. This past week, we already mentioned it, uh, when Brody and Michael were up here, and uh, the students this past week, a whole bunch of them took their, uh, a portion of their spring break week, and Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday morning, they went over to the Pride Garden Apartments and uh, did backyard Bible clubs with the kids over there. And it was freezing cold. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't a warm spring break. I was like, you know, remember Tuesday? It was cold. And I showed up here at the office. Uh, I was coming into my office, and, and I saw a bunch of cars out here Tuesday morning. So I whipped in here as they were getting ready, training, and Michael was talking to them. They were praying together, getting ready to go out there. I just wanted to come in and 
pray for them and see them. And man, I walked in, there's a, a bunch of them in here. I mean, there was 15 or 20 students ready to go over there. And so they went and did that. Um, they were making much of Jesus Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And then Wednesday night, uh, we, we took it to the town. That's one of the things we've, we've decided to do is, you know, we can talk all day about the gospel. And we just sang the gospel. That's why I want us to come back and sing uh, For God So Loved uh, again at the end of the service. Because that is the gospel. What we say, you sang the gospel today. And so we can sing it all we want to. And I can stand up here and preach it all I want to. We can do all of that. But we got to take it out of here. Amen. We got to take it out of here. We can't just stay in here with the gospel and go, yeah, man, you know, God so loved the world. We got to take it to the time. So last year, a few months ago, about a hundred of us on a Wednesday night uh, got out of here. We took it. We, we got out of the church and we went out here into Flora, right here into these streets right here on this side of First Street and the, and the trailer park here. And we took it to the town, went door to door, knocking on doors, telling folks about Jesus and saw about seven people give their lives to Christ. And then this past Wednesday night, 75, 80 of our, I had no idea how many people were going to, because it was spring break, it was cold, it had been, you know, everything. I had no idea how many people were going to show up Wednesday night to take it to the town. There were 75, 80, uh, maybe close to 100 of our people Wednesday night that went to Pride Gardens at 6 o'clock and had a block party with the people over there. And man, just, we just covered up that whole apartment complex with the love of Jesus making much of Jesus. And again, Wednesday night, we saw about seven people give their lives to Christ Wednesday night. And it was so cool. And then Thursday morning, I'm going to maybe embarrass her a little bit, but y'all know Bailey Biggs is kind of my adopted daughter. And so uh, Thursday morning, I get a text from, uh, from her that she's led somebody to faith in Christ Thursday morning. And there may have been other students that led kids to Christ over there. And it's just so cool that we're just making much of Jesus. So if there was anybody in the New Testament who was serious about making much of Jesus, it was this guy named John the Baptist. Because, <laughs> I mean, that's the whole reason he came. That's the whole reason he came, was to make much of That's the whole reason God uh, made sure that his mama, Elizabeth, had him. And from the moment of conception, well, even before that in the mind of God, but from the moment of conception, right up until this passage of Scripture, that's what John the Baptist was about, was just making much of Jesus. In fact, if you flip back to John 1.23, it's, he says here, John the Baptist said, I am the voice of, the one, of one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Well, see, 700 years before this, the prophet Isaiah said there would be one who would come out of the wilderness and would proclaim, make straight the way for the Lord, because the Messiah is coming. The Christ is coming. Jesus is coming. Well, that's John the Baptist. So if anybody was serious, his whole life was all about making much of Jesus. And so when he said this, he's the one who said, he must increase, I must decrease. So when he said that, I can guarantee it, it wasn't his life verse because it wasn't a verse yet. But I can tell you this, that was his purpose. He was, he was stating the purpose of his life. That Jesus Christ must increase and I must decrease. And so the application for this message is that having a life verse helps you make much of Jesus. 
Having a life verse helps you, helps me, helps us make much of Jesus. So, let's talk about this thing of a life verse. Now, I'll tell you this, there's nothing in the Bible, listen to me all, there's nothing in the Bible that says, thou shalt have a life verse. <laughs> there's nothing, there's no, Jesus didn't say it. You know, if you want to be my disciple, you have to have a life verse. I mean, he didn't say that. Paul didn't write to the church at Philippi and said, you know, say, if y'all are going to be a church, everybody in the church has got to have a life verse. He didn't say that. But I will tell you, I believe that it's a cool thing for a Christ follower to have. I wouldn't be preaching on it today if I didn't think that it was cool and important. And will help you in your walk with Christ. So why? Why, why have a life verse? Let me give you real quick, three quick reasons and then we're going to... Give some characteristics and we'll be done. Why have a life verse? Number one, it plainly shows your priorities. It shows what your priority, not, not uh, priority, not priorities. Priority. It shows your priority. So what is our priority as a Christ follower? It is that you and I are to glorify God in everything we do. Amen. That's our priority. That's it. Everything that you do, the way that you run your business, the way you conduct yourself at school, the way you conduct yourself on the athletic field, the way that you treat your husband or wife, the, ra the way that you raise your kids, the way that you spend your money, the way that you run your mouth, the things that you think about, the things that you watch on TV, the stuff that you will look at on the computer, everything should glorify God. That's our priority in life. And so having a life first kind of cuts through all those other distractions that the world throws at you, all those other voices that scream for your attention. So having a life verse plainly shows your priority. Secondly, it places you in the proper position. What is that position? Here's the position. This is the position. This is the position that you, if you can't see me, I'm on my knees back there, okay? This is our position. So John, you're saying I have to be physically on my knees every time I pray? No, I ain't saying that. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that this should be the position of your heart. And this is why we do get on our knees. is because getting on our knees physically shows, God, I understand you are God and I am not. And that's what humility is. So having that life verse places us in that proper position. It's like, Jesus, you are the king of my life. Jesus, you are on the throne of my life. Jesus, you are the boss of my life. Jesus, you are the Lord of my life. And that's what a life verse helps us to remember and puts us in that proper position. He must increase, I must decrease. And then the last reason is it points others to Jesus. Because when you're pointing away from yourself, you're pointing to Him. You're pointing to Him. It is all about Him. As a life group that we have in our church says, it ain't about me. It is all about Him. It is all about Him. And a life verse helps us to remember that. So let's talk about the characteristics of a life verse real quickly. Um, characteristic number one, we'll take the word life, L-I-F-E, L -I -F -E, love. Number one is love. Uh, a characteristic of life verse, love. All right, remember, John the Baptist said, he must increase, I must decrease. So what did Jesus say about love? I want to tell you, uh, it ain't just like the little kid song we used to sing, it's love, it's love that makes the world go round. I'm telling you, for us as Christ followers, it is everything. 
It is everything. We throw that word around flippantly. We, we don't really think about it. We say it so much. Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. Yeah, I love God. And all, we say it so much that I think sometimes we lose the impact of it. But it, it is everything. It is everything. When, and Jesus, our, Jesus makes it very clear to us that our lives as his followers must be characterized by love. He said it in Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 39. The guy came to him, the, 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 uh, the lawyer, the guy came to him trying to trick him, said, what's the greatest commandment, Jesus? What's the greatest commandment? And what he was hoping Jesus was going to do is reach back there into the Old Testament and pull out some tiny little commandment, pull out one commandment out of the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds there in the Old Testament. Jesus said, no, no. i tell you what. You want to know what it is? I'll tell you what it is. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. You love God, you love others, you got it. What's next? And that's pretty much what Jesus did. And that's what's true of you and me. Let me tell you something, Christ follower. If you do that for the rest of your life, if the focus of your life from now on is that I'm going to love God and I'm going to love others, you will be glorifying God in all that you do. You will do that. Because Jesus said, that's it. That's the greatest commandment. So if you have a life verse, that life verse helps us to understand what love is all about. Jesus said in John 13, 35, By this will everyone know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That means out there in the world, everybody will know that we belong to Him as if we're loving each other. That's why it's so stupid and so horrible when fights and, and division and stuff like that happens in the church. Because the world out there looks and goes, what are those people doing? They say they're supposed to love each other. And they're fighting down there. They're talking about each other. They're ripping each other to shreds. What is wrong with those people? Jesus said, by this will all men know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. He said this in John 5, 35, 43 and 44. Now this one ain't real easy. This is in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said, you have heard it said. Love your neighbor. Well, all the Jewish people he was talking to had heard that because that was in the Old Testament. You have heard it said, love your neighbor. But I say to you, and every time he said that, every time he said, but I say to you, you better get ready. Because he's about to rock your world. And that's what he did. He said, you have heard it said, love your neighbor. But I say to you, love your enemies. And pray for those who persecute you. Oh, man. That ain't quite as easy as loving my neighbor. It's all about love. It is about love. Love leads to sacrifice. Jesus said in John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this. Then he laid down his life for his friends, and that's what he did for us. So listen to me, y'all. A life verse will help you love Jesus more and more and more and more. And if you do that, then you're going to love others more and more and more and more. And if you're doing that, then you're obeying Jesus more and more and more and more. And that's a really good thing. Love, I, stands for intentional. Intentional. One of the reasons so many people flounder in their relationship with Christ is that there is a tremendous lack of intentionality 
in their walk with Christ. Man, we're intentional about a whole lot of stuff. Tomorrow morning, you're going to get to your office. You're going to turn that computer on. You're going to start answering emails. You're going to start working on that business deal that you left last week. You're going to start doing that. You're going to start talking to clients. You're going to start doing this. You're, because you know that your life, you've got to get that money in the bank account. You've got to pay the bills. You've got to do that. Because you're going to be really intentional about that. You're going to be very intentional in your athletic pursuits, man. You're going to make sure that you have practice. You're going to do what the coach says. You're going to hit the weight room. You're going to do this. You're going to be very, very, very intentional about it. You're going to be very intentional about your uh, about your recreational activities, man. You're going to be, you know where that turkey is right now. You, you know where he is. You're going to be out there first thing in the morning. You're going to be, you've been working on that call. You, you got all your gear. You got your gun ready. You got the camo. You got everything because you know, and you're going to be very intentional about that. You're going to be very intentional in your hobbies and you got your, you got your boat ready and you got your camper ready and you got your, 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 your side by side ready. And man, you're going to be very intentional about all these because man, you, but then when it comes to our walk with Christ, it's more of an afterthought. We get flippant about it. Kind of this nonchalant attitude. Well, if I have any time left over from all that other stuff I've been so intentional about, then I'll, I'll try to think about it. Let me tell you something. If you're going to make it in this life... If you and I are going to make it in this life, if we are going to be able to stand against the ongoing, withering onslaught of the attacks of the enemy, if we are going to enjoy the abundant life that the Word of God that Jesus said we can have, then we've got to be intentional in our walk with Christ. Jesus said in Matthew 6.33, He said, Seek first the kingdom of God. That's pretty intentional, isn't it? Seek first, Matthew 6, 33. Seek first the kingdom of God. God spoke through the prophet Jeremiah, Jeremiah 29, verse 13. This is one of my wife's favorite verses, maybe one of her life verses. Where God said, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart, with your whole heart. That's pretty intentional, isn't it? The psalmist said in Psalm 119, verse 2, we're going through Psalm 119 on Wednesday nights in Refresh. Come join us 6.30 on Wednesday night in the sanctuary for Refresh, our midweek service. We're going through Psalm 119. Psalm 119, verse 2 says this. It says, Joyful are those who obey His laws and search for Him with all their hearts. That's pretty intentional, isn't it? And a life verse will help us to be intentional. The F stands for focus. Love. Love God. Love others. Greater love. Love one another. Intentional. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek Him with all your heart. Seek Him with your whole heart. Focus. Focus is so important in our lives. You know, if your eyes don't focus as good as they used to or don't focus correctly, and you can get in trouble. You know, there are a lot of folks that the older they get, their eyes grow weaker. That's all of us. But then a lot of people are not, you hear people, older folks that can't drive at night. They don't feel comfortable driving at night because their eyes don't focus and it's dangerous for them to drive at night. If you're walking down some steps and if you can't focus on those steps, you can stumble. If you're looking at a pill bottle and you can't focus to see what kind of, how many of those pills, you can overdose, you can be in big trouble. If you can't get that scope on your rifle to focus correctly, then you might miss that big trophy buck of a lifetime that's standing out there 
in that food plot. If you can't get your mind to focus correctly, you might forget about some important interview you've got, some important appointment you got. You might forget that your grandkid is playing in a soccer game, and you might forget all that. That's why I'm so thankful for my wife. Her mind works better than mine because she tells me, John, we got a soccer game to go to, so you need to be home at this time. And I still usually forget, but I'm just telling you that your mind has got, if your focus is so important, and a life first can help us stay focused on what's truly, truly important in our lives. It goes back to that priority thing. I was meeting with a young couple this week, talking to them about their wedding, Hayden and Holly, getting, getting uh, married in June, and we were talking wedding stuff. We are just talking about your walk with the Lord and things like that, and Hayden said to me that, that his life verse is Romans 12, 2. I thought, man, that's such a good verse because Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what the will of God is, that good, pleasing, perfect will. And see, that's what I'm talking about. That's the focus because when you, if you let the world conform you into its mold, you're not going to be able to focus, but you let the Word of God transform your mind so that you can focus that's why having that life verse helps us to focus. And then finally, the E stands for encompassing. Interesting word to pick there, but the reason I, I mean, even though, even the term life verse kind of gives you a feeling, we're talking about our entire life. We're talking about something that speaks to our entire life, and it does. It just encompasses, it should help define your view of God and help you to have more faith in God and help you to obey God more. That's what a life verse should do. So, let me conclude this sermon with something that may sound kind of contradictory as I finish up preaching a sermon on having a life verse. And let me tell you right now, you don't have to have a life verse. You don't have to have one. There are 31,000 plus verses in the Bible. So how in the world, John, how am I supposed to pick one verse out to be my? There's 31,000 verses. I understand that. So look, you don't have to have a life verse. But here's the point that I'm trying to make. I hope that this message, whether you choose to have a life verse or not, that this message has helped you think about, am I loving God and loving other people the way I'm supposed to? Am I intentional in my walk with Christ? When I think about my life, am I loving God and loving others the way I'm supposed to? Am I intentional in my walk with Christ? Am I really truly focused on the things I'm supposed to be focused on? And is my life encompassed with the things of God my whole life? So going back to John 3.30, wrap this thing up. My life verse. He must increase, I must decrease. So listen to this. If you're going to make an investment in a stock, a company, you know this is a hot company, a hot stock. These days there ain't many of those, but you found one that's a hot one, you know, really sound investment. And you want it to go up. You want it to increase. You want its value to increase. Well, the only way that value is going to increase <laughs> is if you make an initial investment, right? You got to put some money into it. You got to make a first deposit into that so that it will increase. So here's the point I'm trying to make to you. 
maybe there's somebody here today, Jesus can't increase in your life because you've never had that first deposit of him coming into your life and depositing the gift of eternal life into your heart and life. The only way he can increase is if, if he's there. It's just like that stock will go up, hopefully, if you make that first deposit, then it'll start increasing. Well, I want to ask you, have, has Jesus deposited his gift of eternal life in your heart and life? Have you cried out to him? Have you called out to him? Romans 10, 13, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Have you called out to him to be saved? If not, my friend, listen, please, today, let today be your day of salvation. Cry out to him today. Be saved. Let him deposit eternal life into your life, and then let him begin to increase in your life. Come to Jesus and be saved. And then there's a whole bunch of us that have made that decision. I made that decision when I was eight years old at a Bill Glass crusade at Delta State University. I just found out this past week when I was doing some research that Bill Glass, the guy that preached that service that I got saved at in 1973. Guess what? Yesterday was my spiritual birthday. March the 18th of 1973. Now, you don't have to know the exact date. I just was able to figure it out one time. March the 18th is my spiritual birthday. So 50, <laughs> 50 years ago yesterday, I gave my life to Christ. I found out just uh, this past week that Bill Glass died December of 2021. 86 years old, been preaching the gospel for years and years. Played professional football. Incredible story. Go, go look him up. But now, Jesus must increase in my life. So here's the point. i got to finish this thing up because I do want us to sing. Is he increasing in your life, Christ follower? Is he increasing and are you decreasing? If he's not, then listen, I want to invite you to this altar today. Come up here and get on your face before the Lord. Get humble before him. Do some confessing and repenting. Jesus, you hadn't been increasing. I have not been decreasing. I confess that to you. Make it right today with him. Maybe there's another decision you need to make. You want to come and join this church family, whatever God's speaking to your heart. But we're going to do this invitation. You come. Give your life to Christ. If you want to make sure that Jesus is increasing in your life, then come today. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, help us now. We're in these moments of invitation to do business with you, Lord, to let you work in our hearts and lives. God, let you do what you need to do in us. And I pray that, Jesus, you would increase in our hearts and in this place today. In your name I pray.